Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast, here comes your host, the Burger Shop, now live from coast to coast, and any way you want to do it, listen to the show, Ron got the insights, the Burger Shop, you know? country 
uh, all the amazing things that make you want to live in this country and make you want to be part of this country, and none of that would be possible without the people who fight, fight every day for this country. So shout out to everybody out there who's uh, given their, frankly, their life and and everything that they've done to keep everybody safe here. So we're uh, on a Friday, November 11th, getting ready for a big weekend. Uh, you know, of course, I. I Bring on my boy Tommy Beer from Basketball Insiders to talk a bunch of NBA today. Uh, excited to have Tommy on, big friend of the show. But I would be remiss when I brought Tommy on if we didn't quickly start with uh, the new Tribe Called Quest album that was launched today. I know Tommy, like myself, a diehard, diehard hip-hop guy. And, of course, a special day in both our lives today with the launch of the new album, which I guess makes me feel old and young at the same time. So, uh, Tommy, welcome to the show once again. How's everything, bud? Good, brother. How you doing? I, I was I, I've been meaning to ask people: Have you listened to it? Have you Have you listened to it yet? I, I, I have. I listened to the first three or four th- first three or four songs. You know, it's just the first one or two are just so classic tribe. You know, you get all the the same kind of you know language and 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 the Q tip and and the beat. So it's uh, I only got through a couple of songs with everything going on today, but looking forward to you know banging it tonight and this weekend. Yes, I'll definitely check it out. So I love Tribe. Midnight Marauders is probably, I know it's not even some people's favorite Tribe album for me. I don't maybe it's just the time I was listening to it. I listened to it every day on a CD, man, for like two years. Um, I, it's one of probably, I, 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 it's definitely in my top ten, maybe my top five, maybe my top three albums of all time. So um, I'm definitely no, willing no to, uh, to, to give uh, <laughs> It won't be the same without Fife, obviously, and that's kind of bittersweet, um, but I'll, I'll certainly definitely willing to give it a chance. Yeah, that, and obviously I think that's why they came out with it, you know, because I think if Fife was still around, right. they probably wouldn't wouldn't have. It was sort of a tribute and right. inspiration. Right. But coming from someone who has Action Bronson in their uh, Twitter <laughs> avatar, I'm sure that means a lot to Q-Tip and the boys, you know? No, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> well, look, man, you know, this is your time of year. You've been on the show a bunch talking NBA, so there's nobody better. Uh, I tried for Hubie Brown, and Hubie was busy, so figured you'd be, you know, right behind uh, Hubie when it comes to basketball knowledge in, in my mind. So, you know, want to wanna, wanna talk about what's going on in the league, some of the big storylines. Of course, uh, in the East, uh, you know, the Cavs are clearly the best teams. At the White House yesterday, Mannequin challenged the whole, the whole nine yards. Uh, you know, what, what do you see the same kind of thing you've seen from them in the finals and in the playoffs last year with the depth and, of course, the, you know, the ability of, of James and Irving? Yeah, I mean, people have asked me, you know, you know, in, in the lead up to the season, you know, who's coming out of the East, and I've, I'll give you, I'll give, I've given the same answer that I've given the previous six years. Whatever team has LeBron James, that's what team's going to win the Eastern Conference. Um, it's been true the last six years. I believe it'll be true again. Um, and to be honest, I think this year there's probably a wider disparity and a wider gap between the Cavs and the rest of the conference than there has been in, you know, even recent years. I, I thought the Celtics would be good this year. I thought they would challenge the Raptors for the Atlantic Division. They've been horrible. Um, the Knicks got them in Boston tonight. Their defense has been deplorable. Um, uh, you know, there's been some injuries, so certainly that's a, certainly a reason for, for their failings. But I, I've been shocked that 
that, um, you know, they're, they're actually, in terms of defensive rating, they're giving up 100, nearly 113 points per 100 possessions. That's the worst in the NBA. Something you don't expect from Brad Stevens' team. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but uh, in terms of the Eastern Conference, in terms of the Cavs, I think they're so far and away better than any other team. I'd be shocked if they even got challenged. And obviously, anything's possible. Um, we have a long season to go. Does LeBron stay healthy? And Ky- you know, he always, he always does. But, um, you know, you have Kyrie, you love. Assuming all those guys stay healthy, they brought back J.R. Smith. They got J.R. Shumpert and Chad Fry. I think is an underrated, underutilized piece. I think he'll you know hit some big shots in big games. Um, there's just so much to like about the Cavs in terms of their depth, their cohesion, their confidence. And to me, arguably the biggest thing about LeBron is um, you know he, he can he can breathe so easily and so freely this year. I mean, obviously not only did he come back from three one to bring a title to Cleveland, which in and of itself is remarkable. But he also knocked off the, as we know, the, the Golden State Warriors, the team with the best record, regular season record in NBA history. And, um, you know, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. It seems all the attention and drama um, is focused elsewhere. And for the first time in probably LeBron's career since he's come into the NBA, he's kind of an afterthought in this NBA season. Um, so I think it's yeah. just a perfect situation for Cleveland just to kind of relax and enjoy the regular season and, and you know, just get themselves ready for another postseason run. Forget and you make so many great points, Tommy. But I almost forgetting the East. That I think they're the actual favorite based on everything you just said right now, as far as cohesion, LeBron, you know, Irving. When you look at what's out in the West, and then we'll talk about that in a little later. But when you look at what's out there right now and the defensive problems that those teams are having, specifically a Golden State. Uh, and while the Clippers and the Spurs are much better defensively, those teams aren't going to beat Cleveland. So it, they, they clearly, Cleveland clearly looks, and who cares, Golden State's going to mold themselves into an absolute powerhouse. And last night they looked, I gave you a glimpse of that last night in, in Denver, but, you know, that's, that's Denver. But I do think Cleveland clearly is the, the creme de la creme in the, in the entire league right now. Yeah, I think um, I think out west, I think the Warriors are going to be real, really good by the time you know the, the postseason rolls around. They're they're offensively, their their offensive efficiency has been remarkable so far this season, and their three pointers really haven't started dropping. They're still scoring like 120 points per 100 possessions with that super death, that mega death lineup. However, it'll eventually be turned. But um, yeah, they're a phenomenal team. I think they're just too talented. I'm not overly concerned with their early season stumbles. Um, as we know, when the big three got together down in South Beach, I think they were like eight, nine, or nine and eight in their first seventeen games. You know, they were hovering around five hundred before they kind of yeah. kicked into too high gear. Um, so uh, yeah, I think they'll be fine. I've been impressed by the Clippers. I think they're the team that's kind of forgotten in, in all this. I think of, um, you know, I think the the the, Ca- the Cavs and the Warriors are by far and away the favorites to represent their respective conferences in the finals. Um, but if you, you know, if you gave me another team, I'm not sure I wouldn't take the Clippers and the Spurs in terms of uh, chances to get to the finals. They've been playing terrific defensively. They've actually been the best defensive team in the NBA. Um, I think Chris Paul has a lot to prove. Like Griffin, as we know, it's a very interesting season in Los Angeles because um, both those guys will be hitting free agency next summer. And, uh, you know, they kind of got one more last hurrah. Uh, you know, they get, they're getting the band back together this year, and uh, it'll definitely determine what happens this offseason, whether the Clippers, you know, kind of fade back into obscurity or develop a, a real championship, you know, core, keep that keep that team in place. I think a lot will be dependent on how the season plays out. So uh, fascinating to see what happens in L.A. this year. Well, I think one of the things you see with the Clippers this year is they've really loaded up on their bench. I think a, a very underrated move, they discussed it a little bit last night, was the Spates move bringing him over from Golden State. He's averaging 11 points and five boards in limited minutes. He's a 
he's a machine when he's out there, shoots the ball very well from the perimeter. They took him from Golden State, which I think is actually a big a big move because while it's underrated and he's not a big name, Golden State lost a guy in the middle who can bang a little bit and can give scoring to that next unit. Obviously, they replaced him with other guys, but they've struggled in the middle a little bit. And you look at what now – Clippers have on their bench. They come with him, the Rivers, Maba Mute. They have a number of guys that they're coming with. Of course, they always have had, you know, they've had Crawford for forever over there. But they have guys, you know, with some, with some depth. Brandon Bass they've added, Ray Felton. These are veterans that now are coming off their bench. That's a different, you know, they last year it was Wesley Johnson for the most part. So I, I, that's a big move to me with the Clippers. Obviously, Paul and Griffin have not had any success in the postseason. And, you know, to until they do, we obviously they're they're a hard time, team to believe in. But there's not a lot of other teams out there, so you know you definitely put them up at at that pedestal that you that you mentioned. So it'll it will it will be interesting. And of course, if you know they don't win or or get there, then they're going to probably break that unit up, and that'll lead probably Chris Paul uh, to the East Coast, as I'm sure you've heard a little bit. Yes. Exactly. I, I honestly think that's the Knicks' plan is to have Chris Paul as their starting point guard uh, next season. I think if things don't go well in Clipperland, I think it's actually not only a possibility but a probability um, that he winds up with his buddy in New York. Um, you know, if he doesn't resign with L.A. and L.A. doesn't live up to expectations and he decides to leave L.A., I think he'll be very intrigued by joining Carmelo in the far more friendly in terms of uh, advancing deep in the playoffs Eastern Conference. Um, and if you think about that team, if, in, if, if they, you know, the, the, um, the Knicks will have uh, about $27 million in cap space with uh, Derrick Rose coming off the books and Brandon Jennings also has a one-year deal as well. Um, so that will clear about $27 million in cap space for the Knicks to throw at in the lead point guard. Um, and I think Paul will be their, their prime target. You know, when, when, you, when you think about it, Chris Paul, Courtney Lee, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Joe Noah, pretty good starting five. Um, so, uh, you know, certainly uh, a lot uh, can happen up until, up until next, next July. Um, but I think that's something that, that uh, you know, Phil Jackson had, and, and Steve Mills had in their back of their mind when they decided to trade for Rose, who was one year left on his deal, and then signed Jennings to that one-year contract as well. Let's talk about the Knicks because, obviously, that's, you know, we, we, we rolled right into it. Interesting start. Uh, game under going to Boston tonight. Um, you know what have you seen from the Knicks so far, both on both sides of the ball, uh, offensively. Let's you know let's start with what you've seen offensively. Some of the some of the new players, obviously working Rose in, you know off off of everything that happened in the uh, in the trial in L.A. But give us a sense of what you're starting, what you've seen with the Knicks so far. Yeah, offensively, I think they've been solid. Uh, they're, they're, they're especially the, the first five guys, the starters have been have been really playing really, really well offensively. Um, you know, they're they're near the top of the league in offensive efficiency for the starting five. Um, Rose has uh, missed some shots, and, and you know, it's been sloppy, and you know, turned the ball over a little bit here and there. But I think the most encouraging thing you can say about Rose is he, he looks athletic, he looks spry and aggressive. Yeah, um, and he's a uh, spring you know, yeah, yeah. I think for the first time in a long time, he's shown some flashes of that old explosiveness. We know he'll never be that Derrick Rose, um, the MVP version of that Derrick Rose, but uh, he certainly looks good and healthy, um, and, that, and that's encouraging news for both himself and the Knicks. 
Um, and, and he's getting into the paint, which is vital and crucial, especially in today's NBA. I haven't looked at the numbers. I've been meaning to look at it the last couple of days, but I think he may have already passed the number of points in the paint he scored this season, as opposed to Jose Calderon in the 72 games he played last season. As that kind of gives you an idea of you know just how desperately the Knicks were, were missing um, that aspect of the offense. Um, Courtney Lee struggled a little bit, but I think he'll bounce back. You know, he solid defensively. Mellow is what Mellow is. I think he's been lackadaisical defensively. Um, really hasn't, you know, hasn't given a full effort yet. Um, but uh, looking to distribute the ball and obviously knock down shots. And a tremendously talented offensive player. Kristaps Porzingis is uh, he's he's playing at a really high level. Um, as a Knicks fan, obviously, um, you know, regardless of what happens over the next, um, you know, X number of you know months or years, whatever the case might be, just the fact that they have Kristaps, you know, kind of. Um, in their fold for the future is incredibly encouraging. Over the last three games, he's averaging 25 points a game, around eight rebounds, uh, over three point, over three three pointers per contest, shooting over 50% from three. Um, kids 21 years old and seven foot three. Uh, the sky is the limit. Joking, Noah. Um, you know he's, he he is what he is. Um, I think encouragingly, he looks healthy as well. They're trying to manage manage his minutes, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, it's been a great passer. Actually, leads the team in assists. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot to like there in terms of starting five. Um, if we're going to switch over to the other side of the ball, they've been horrendous defensively, um, and I think that's the major issue. I think the key to the win uh, the other night against the Nets was they finally, you know, too often this year, um, you know, we, you mentioned that, that the Cavs doing the mannequin challenge in the White House. The Knicks have basically been doing the mannequin challenge on defense um, far too often uh, over, over the first seven games of the season. Um, it looks like they finally started to, to bring some intensity to the defensive end of the floor in the second half against the Nets. Um, it's kind of inexcusable that it took them that long into the season to kind of bring that energy, um, but we'll see if that continues uh, and carries on to tonight against the, the, against the Celtics because uh, the Celtics, has, although they've been struggling off defensively, um, can certainly put some points on the board. So um, we'll see how, how that plays itself out. Well, I'm obviously infatuated with Porzingis. I know you are too. You know, I've been in the camp that you know this year, while we could try to make the playoffs, you know, we're not going to win the East. We're not going to come close. It would be nice to make the playoffs, but to me, this year is really about his maturation. These guys on one-year deals, and then trying to explode over the next couple of years with the right with the right pieces and and Porzingis. You know, the first couple of games, it felt like he wasn't. He was an afterthought. I've been watching. You know. Rose dribbling and going up for layups and missing shots and watching Anthony do what you know he sort of normally does and 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 two guys who have the ball the most on the team Rose and Anthony are known to be two players who do not uh, embrace guys to the point where they're out there to try and make them better you know Melo has a career average of I think two and a half or three assists Rose as a point guard is much more getting guys involved and mellow is, but you know what I mean from the sense that those aren't two guys that are putting their arms around Porzingis and saying, God, we'll give up any shot to make you, you know, you better. That seems to change over the past two or three games. I pray to God that that's going to continue to happen because it'll make me sick if I have to watch a situation where those guys are doing what, you know, they've normally done. And Porzingis is the quote unquote third wheel in an offense in which he frankly should be, yeah, I wouldn't say one, but in 1A where he has to get shots up much more than what I would call his transition threes or his amazing putbacks. He needs to make moves. He needs to get the fall in scoring opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm a little shocked he didn't come back with a little bit of a 
better post game this this year. I thought this summer he'd really work on his post game, but as you said, he's 21 years old. He's got you know a bunch of a bunch of time to do that. But you know he needs to get at the ball. You know his the ball has to be in his hands. Yeah, I totally agree. I wrote a little bit about this week, and specifically about the the, the intriguing option of, of playing him with the second unit more. Um, uh, Porzingis' usage rate has actually decreased this season. You know, he's a year older, a year more experienced, proven that he's a talented NBA player, um, but his usage rate has actually dipped a bit. Um, it was around 24% um, the last season. It's down to 22 this season, and obviously that has a lot what to do with What does that mean Tommy. exactly for everybody, Tommy? What does that mean exactly? Sure. Usage rate is a, is a stat um, that determines the percentage of possessions, percentage of possessions of the, of the possessions of the you're on the floor that you use the ball. That means you either shot, that you either score, uh, attempt a field goal, make a field goal, uh, or involved in an assist, you know, in, in possessions mm-hmm. down the floor. So if it's around 25%, that means you're essentially the, the, the focal point of about 25% of the offensive options, uh, offensive possessions. Um, for instance, Mello's around 28. Uh, his usage rate's around 28. Um, uh, 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 Rose has been around 30. Um, if you look at the top of the league, it's 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 Russell Westbrook's who's around 40, 41%, which is a mind-boggling number. The all-time yeah. record is Colby in, two, in 2005, 2006. He was around, I think, the, the, the all-time number is 38. Um, so that'll give you some context there. Um, so, you know, the, the usage rate um, isn't dramatically different for KP this year, but to your point, it should be higher. Certainly shouldn't be lower. Right. Um, so, so what I talked about um, in an article I posted on Wednesday was that the 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 that that um, Fournier should consider at least consider running with Porzingis a little bit more with the second unit. It's beneficial in a couple ways. One, the Knicks bench has been horrible. Um, one of the worst in the league in terms of you know net rating. They're getting outscored by about 18 points per 100 possessions. Um, which is it's very difficult to win basketball games when you're when you're when your uh, bench is that terrible. Um, so if you put uh, KP with that second unit, obviously that's going to boost their offensive efficiency. They're also uh, they're, as far as bench units, they're last in rebound percentage. KP will grab some boards, um, and to your point, he'll be the focal point of that offense. Um, you're going to run plays and you're going to dictate pace and, and schemes around what suits him and puts him in the best position to succeed, as opposed to him getting the crumbs when Mel doesn't shoot or when you know Rose doesn't drive. As you said, Rose has they've they've developed a little more chemistry um, in the last few games. I think that's encouraging to see. Um, but but clearly um, going forward. Um, the, the priority should be developing of the organization. They're not, they're not going to win championships. The organization is built on the on the shoulders of Kristaps Porzingis. Um, so while I think the, it is a silver lining, and I understand that some Knicks fans get extremely frustrated, um, you know, when he doesn't get enough looks because he hasn't gotten enough looks. I will say that's not. I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing for his long term development because he is a young kid. He is still learning the league. I don't think it's terrible that he can slowly but surely get eased into the role of, of primary offensive option. Um, you know, he's going to be that sooner rather than later. Um, but I think having uh, guys like Rose and Noah and Melo to take the pressure off him initially, um, you know, over his first couple seasons in the NBA is not the worst thing in the world. Um, but that being said, I think that's why the beauty of playing him, staggering his minutes a little bit. So, you know, you start him, they'll bring him off the bench, but start him, you know, play him maybe five minutes or so, bring in a Lance Thomas, um, who's a defensive-minded, versatile defender, 
that will improve the Knicks defensively in terms of the starting unit. Um, and then, you know, bring KP back in the start of the second quarter and let him play either the whole second quarter or most of the second quarter with the Brandon Jennings and uh, Billy Hernan Gomez's, um, and, you know, and, and, you know, Sasha's or, or Justin Holliday's, you know, guys that will be complementary pieces to KP as opposed to KP being complementary pieces to the starting five. Yeah, no question. And again, we're talking to the great Tommy Beer from Basketball Insiders. You can follow Tommy on Twitter at Tommy Beer. We know from the uh, hyper data, Tommy, with a little over 20,000 followers on Twitter, getting great, uh, great, great engagement with 72 retweets and 80 favorites for every one of his posts. That's some electric stuff when it looks at the hoops and social media world. And we're talking Knicks, and, you know, you, you talk a lot about KP and, and Hornacek, and you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is about Phil Jackson. Um, you know, named Kurt Rambis to be the, the uh, you know the Rex Ryan of the defense, leading leading the leading the charge on the defensive end. Uh, names Hornacek the coach immediately is involved. You start to hear some whispers that they're not running enough triangle for Phil's liking. You just talked about the offense performing fairly well or pretty well top of the uh, top of the league and some of the offensive efficiency uh, numbers you know what's the story with Phil is he is he delusional is he is he sort of you know out there a little bit is he connected to this thing you know what do you see what are you hearing about Phil and 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 how long is this going to I mean is he going to be here a couple more years, is, is this going to work with Phil? Is he going to say enough's enough? I, you know, h- how much is he going to need his hands to be on this and his fingerprints to be a part of this? Yeah, I think even the most ardent Phil Jackson supporters are starting to have their patience wear a little bit thin um, with the constant, you know, tinkering and, uh, as you said, having his fingerprints, is his, the need to have his fingerprints on this offense. Um, the fact of the matter is that the game has moved away from the triangle concepts. Um, you know, the mid-range jump shots, things along those lines. The, the teams that led the league in three-point attempts during the regular – in three-point makes during the regular season last year were the Warriors and the Cavs. And it just so happened those two teams met in the NBA Finals. Obviously, that has a lot to do with talent. But it, it, similarly, the reason Phil Jackson had, had a lot of success with the triangle is because he had two of the best players of, of all time, you know, it, using the triangle, you know, during during his, his glory years with the Bulls and the Lakers. So, um yeah, I feel the, the, just the, the, the interfering with the, um, you know, making sure that Rambis, you know, becomes a defensive coordinator and then Hornacek being put, it, put in the position to say that, that Phil didn't have anything to do with it. It's just, it's, it, it embarrasses, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a mockery. You know, it, it insults our intelligence to think that Phil Jackson didn't have anything to do with that. Um, it's, it's, you know, at some point in time, Phil has to either – come down to the sidelines and coach, which he won't. You know, he, he physically he can't do it for starters. I don't think he has any interest in doing it. Um, if he was healthy, it'd be a different story, but he, it simply is an impossibility. With that being said, he hired Jeff Hornacek. Now let Jeff Hornacek do his job. Phil's job is to be the, you know, the president of basketball operations, supply. You know, let's, 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 let's Phil cook the meal. Uh, sorry, let Jeff Hornacek cook the meal. You can help buy the ingredients. But then you got to step out of the kitchen and let the coach do what he does. And Phil seems to have a real hard time doing that. And it's just lens of an air of, of chaos and, and just unpredictability that the Knicks don't need. These are situations that other teams don't have. You don't, you don't see 
you know, Greg Popovich, you know, R.C. Buford telling Greg Popovich, listen, I'm going to need you to do this defensively, or I'm going to need you to run this set more off, you know, offensively, or Mark Cuban, you know, likes to get get involved in roster composition, but he's not going to tell Rick Carlisle, you know, how to win and where to run pick and roll. Um, you know, at a certain point in time, you have to have faith and trust in the people you hire, and a team skills have a, has had a real hard time doing that. And I think the Knicks are 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 you know that that that's a negative. It's more makes it more difficult. As we know, there's enough controversy and craziness in New York. Um, it doesn't he doesn't need to uh, to to increase that level of volatility um, by by sticking his, his finger into the into the pot here. And it is so volatile, man. Every game, I mean, they lose. It's the world's ending. The rose is awful. Noah Mello's done. You know, KP not enough. When they win, it's this is great. They looked great. They looked fluid. KP looks like an absolute star. Mello's still got it. Stroking jumpers. Rose looks springy. Noah's looking okay. Lee's helping on defense. You know, it's a game by game, which it always is in this city, but I feel like more than ever, especially with the Knicks, it's just completely off balance right now and and you know just everyone look we've been down for a long time so when something positive happens with this franchise the fan base immediately runs to it and gets some momentum thinking maybe this is the start of something everything from you know playing well to Jennings not you know not letting guys help help other guys up but uh hopefully it'll it'll turn around at uh at some point you know yeah, I mean, you'd hope so, but um, it's not, certainly the, the signs are not encouraging with the with the you know, Hornacek information and, and Phil Bellyaken about the triangle not being run enough. Um, we'll see. You know, hopefully, you know, he, you know, that that starts to settle into the background, but um, right now it doesn't look too promising. There's a couple more teams I want to quickly run by you, Tommy. We're going to welcome to Tommy Beer. And, you know, you mentioned the triangle, and, and, and I know a lot of players are griping about it and how it feels a little bit old-fashioned. And at the same time, there was a coach that got ran out of this town, and, and he's brought an offense to Houston that is exactly what many fans want and what Golden State seems to run, up and down, three-pointers, you know, big pace. And the year that Harden's had at the start that he's had has been historic. You know, Mike D'Antoni continues to teach his game and believe in his system. It's a system in a, in a way that a lot of players want to play. You know, h- how good can Houston be running that offense? And, 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 you know, obviously behind Harden and some of the pieces they have now with, you know, Ryan Anderson, Capella in the middle, uh, Eric Gordon, and some of the shooters they've got around Harden. Yeah, I think, um, you know, listen, I think Harden deserves a ton of credit for playing out of his mind, um, really embracing the point guard role. Um, that, and, 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 I, and I think, um, you know, D'Antoni, to his credit, has, real, has put the reins on his, on his offense just a little bit. Um, in terms of pace, they're not quite as high as the typical seven seconds or less. D'Antoni offense certainly still near the top of the league, but not, you know, out, out, outlandishly ahead of the rest of the, the league in terms of pace. They're focusing a little bit more on defense. Um, that being said, I'm not a big Rockets guy. Um, I didn't like their offseason. Um, I didn't like giving Eric Gordon $52 million. I really didn't like giving Ryan Anderson $70 million. Um, I think those are kind of, you know, one-dimensional shoot-first players. 
Um, you, you know, your team goes up with Harden. They're going to have no problem scoring points, and they're a dangerous team. Um, but as a, And I think they'll have a solid regular season. Um, but as we start to get into the postseason where the game slows down, the pace slows down, they're going to have a real tough time stopping teams um, in the half court um, for that reason. And, and as we know, Harden's not a great defender. Um, I like to pell in the middle. Um, you know, I, I, I have no problem with them letting Howard go. Um, but, but all things considered, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that roster competition. So um, I'm not sold on the Rockets this season. Yeah, no question. It's uh, they're you know one of those regular season teams that will beat the heck out of a lot of people on back to backs and whatnot. But I think exactly. in the long run, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that system. Uh, you know, the other the team that shocked me in the in the West, I thought that they would uh, not be good is, is Oklahoma City. Um, obviously, they still have a lot of pieces, but I thought they'd really miss Durant a lot more than they have so far. Six and two start. Westbrook's been great. Adams, you know, this is a team again took away not only Durant but also Ibaka. Very different composition this year, but a great start. Can they can they keep it up? I would be very like you. I I thought they were you know forty win team, forty five win team at the very upper you know at the earth cross. What they their potential. Um, so I'm shocked that they have gotten off to this great a start. I think they will come back down to earth. I think they'll settle right around 500. I think they may be a little bit better than I thought. So, um, you know, can they? I think there's a possibility to get to around 48 wins, you know, something along those lines. But I don't think they can, you know, they can touch 50. Um, you know, Old Depot, I'm not a huge Old Depot fan. Um, Westbrook is really the, the engine that drives that team. Um, you know, as we know, he's revenge minded. Um, you know, just attack the world mode right now is incredibly fun to watch, entertaining player. Um, but um, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, but if I certainly had to um, say whether I was buying or selling the Thunder's hot start, I, I, personally, I'm selling. Agreed with you. Agreed, Tommy B. What, what about what you're seeing with the teams in the East, with Chicago and Miami? You know, they played last night. Wade went back to Miami. You know, the Bulls have a very interesting makeup with their backcourt. They're obviously, Butler at the three. They have some depth at the four and five with Gibson and Dougie McBuckets. They have a number Miritich. They have a number of guys that can step in. You know, Bobby Portis, the second-year kid from Arkansas. You know. How good will the Bulls be? Are they going to be a 500 team? Uh, and then once you know, you we'll, we'll get into Miami after that. Yeah, I think 500. I think around 500. I think that they're one of those teams that'll be grouped right around in that 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 that, that bottom tier of the Eastern Conference. I think they can finish anywhere from like a six, seven seed all the way to the 11, 12 seed. Um, I, I think the thing that you got to worry about with Chicago is their lack of perimeter shooting. Um, you know, with with Rondo and 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 Wade and Butler. Um, and, and Taj Gibson and, and uh, Robin Lopez as they're starting five. They're just, there's not that spacing that, that most teams that are successful in today's NBA, uh, the Bulls are not going to be able to run that out on the floor. Um, they're going to need Miritich to really step up off the bench. He hasn't been great, but, he, you know, he showed flashes so far this season. Uh, Portis has kind of been buried in the rotation, which surprises me because I think the kid has a ton of talent. Uh, but I think they're going to be competitive defensively. Wade's an all-time great with a lot of heart. I think he wants to prove that the Heat made a huge mistake. Um, and he's been knocking down threes, which has helped space the floor a little bit. I'm not a Rondo fan. Um, I think he is often a net negative, even though he's a great passer and an incredibly creative offensive player. Um, so there's, certain, there's, there's, there's some pros and some cons there. I think Robin Lopez is a great pickup for them, um, an underrated um, you know, guy that will just hold down the middle. Um, never hurts you. Uh, do the right thing. Set picks. Things along the line. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out, but I think around 500 is, uh, is where you, I see them ending up. McDermott is such an important piece for them. He can really shoot. He can really score. When I see him, he doesn't shoot the ball as well as he seemed to be. He seemed to have done in Creighton, where he was literally unstoppable. But he's getting minutes. He's got a chance on that team. He's got a chance to be the guy who is the guy who can space that floor and, and they and they could feed him and he could stroke shots and 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 not be able to help off him. So if you put him in Miritich, you know those are that's an interesting team. I have my eye on and you know Miami two and five. Riley, you know, doesn't really ever lose, put a tremendous amount of money into Whiteside, 20 and 20 last night. They can't score. I I can't figure out where they're going to go to score. Dragic is a little bit banged up now, but I don't know how they're going to score. They look like they can struggle this year. It looks like Justice Winslow is their most efficient, best offensive player, and and that's not a good recipe for success. Riles (laughs) might be on the sideline this year when it comes to the playoffs. I, I agree. I agree. And to be honest, I don't think that Riley would be devastated by that. Obviously, he wants to win. He doesn't want to throw a year away. But I think he made a very, very Machiavellian decision and let his weight go. Um, I think that was the right decision, to be honest, too. Whether it was ethically or morally or wherever you want to term that, you know, do they owe him kind of that golden parachute, Kobe Bryant, $50 million deal that the Lakers gave Kobe? Arguably, maybe, maybe not. I think it was the best thing for the Heat franchise that Wade signed with Chicago. Um, because it allows them to kind of reload. They're going to have a lot of cap space this summer, um, and I think they're going to make a run at one of those big free agents, um, you know, some of, the, some of the really, you know, studs that hit the free agent market in 2017. They have Riley with his rings. They have South Beach. Um, you know, there's a very attractive pace to play, no state income tax. Um, so there's, there's a lot to like there, um, and I think that that was kind of Riley's um, – approach and mindset was if we need to take a step back this year to take three steps forward next summer i'm willing to do that yeah you hear blake griffin and those kinds of guys as best possible yep. landing spots over there and he hasn't given up on on durant too who has an opt out um you know with, with but obviously a very long shot but there's this paul Millsap and chris paul again um and uh you know there's kyle lowry plenty plenty of talented players ready to hit the market yeah, two more teams before we quickly let you go. Two disappointing teams, one in each conference. The Wizards, uh, you know, awful start, two and five. Not sure they know what's going on. Otto Porter's had a nice year, but you look at what's happening with that backcourt. Wall and Beal making a lot of money, are not winning. You know what? What is going on in in in, in the Verizon Center? Ryan, I, that's one team I haven't had a chance to watch a lot this year. Um, I've just seen the box scores and I've seen the highlights here and there and I've read a little bit about them. I don't – what is going on with the Wizards, I do not know. Obviously, severely disappointing last season. A lot of teams – a lot of people picked them to be, you know, in the middle of the pack in terms of like, you know, like a four seed, five seed, failed to make the playoffs. Um, You think they'd come back angry and aggressive and, you know, and and really, you know, play well, um, you know, get after it defensively. New coach Scott Brooks. Um, but they just have played terribly. Um, the analytics, you look at their stats in terms of defensively, they've been a nightmare. They've been sieved. They haven't stopped anybody. Um, John Wolf seems to be putting, putting up decent numbers, um, but he's obviously been very frustrated. Already has uh, two flagrant fouls this year. He's halfway to the automatic suspension. Took that cheap shot at Marcus Smart last night. It did end up apologizing for it, but it looks like he's just, you know, bubbling with frustration. We know about, you know, their kind of 
bickering or however you want to term it between him and Bradley Beal in the offseason. Um, Beal strained his hamstring uh, earlier this week. It sounds like it's not as – it looks pretty bad when it first happened. It sounds like it's not as severe as it, it could have been. Um, I, to be honest, uh, you know, check back with me. We'll, we'll, we'll talk in a couple weeks or you know, later you know, in a month or so, I'm sure. But um, I'm not sure what's going on in D.C. I'm interested to see how that plays out. Great. Interesting. Very interesting. Last thing before we let you go, and it's disappointing to see what's happened in Minnesota. Awful start for the young you know, T-Wolves. I, I, I got to imagine it's just getting used to Tim Thibodeau's system, loaded with talent. Obviously, losing Rubio is not easy as a point guard. Now they have the rookie Chris Dunn. You know, Towns has been a little bit quiet. Wiggins, same. You know, what, what do you, have you gotten a chance to see the Timberwolves at all? You know, what's going on in Minnesota? Yeah, I think Minnesota's going to be fine. I think it's just, you know, kind of stumbling out of the gate, which is certainly understandable. Expectations are a little bit high. Um, they've played some tough teams, had some good competition early on. I think they'll be fine long term. You know, it's definitely sooner rather than later. They actually got some good, really good news just within the last hour or so. The Timberwolves announced that Rubio was practicing and might even play um, either this weekend or early next week. So that's obviously an encouraging sign. Um, you know, the, the future is extremely bright in Minnesota. Um, unlike they have Thibodeau, who's in control of everything over there. Um, he's going to make sure they play defense. Um, Andrew Wiggins is a good, you know, incredibly decent offensive player. Um, you mentioned Dylan, uh, great up-and-coming point guard. He could be one of the, the best players in, the, in this most recent draft class. And most important, um, I also like Zach Lamine, too. I should mention him. I think he's, indeed, you know, he's an under, underappreciated shooter. Um, can stroke the threes, not just shoot, um, you know, not just a dunker. Um, but most importantly, they have Carl Anthony. Um, as excited as we are, of course, Ingus, um, here in New York, um, the Minnesotans are just as equally enthusiastic about Carl Anthony Towns because that kid is ridiculous. When, you, when, it, when it comes to skill set, um, there's literally nothing this kid can't do. So, um, you know, I think as NBA fans, we're really lucky that we get to watch, um, you know, KP and, and, and Carl Anthony Towns for the next 10 years. Um, you throw in a few other names, you know, the, the Green Creek and, you know, some other young, athletic, exciting players. But uh, in, in my opinion, you know, you've got Anthony Davis as well, obviously, is that draft class with, with Chris Stapps, Carl Anthony Towns. It should be, fat, you know, just awesome to watch those dudes for the next decade. Yeah, no, they're they're incredible. The other team I got my eye on is the Jazz. They swept the Eastern Conference trip. They they're loaded with talent. They just got Hayward back. I caught them live twice last year in New York and Brooklyn. They could play. They got some depth in the West. I love Rodney Hood. You know, they they got they got some talent now with George Hill there. The Jazz are an interesting team that I think can make some noise. I don't know how deep they go, but I think they're a pretty good regular season team at the very least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, they're, one, they're one of those those teams that could really surprise the West. We'll see, um, you know, if they can uh, challenge the big dogs out there. I think they're a year or two away, but but certainly a team on the rise. No question, Tommy B. I appreciate the time. You're the best. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the hoops, and we'll catch up with you soon, bud. My pleasure. Have a great weekend, and let me know what you think of Tribe when you listen to him. You got it, bud. Be well. That was. The best guy in the biz, Tommy Beer from Basketball Insiders, uh, born and bred New York hip-hop, basketball, great dude, comes on the show, gives us a good 40 minutes of all over the NBA, talking Tribe Called Quest and whatnot. Great to uh, connect with Tommy B. So thanks to Basketball Insiders and Tommy Beer for coming on the show on an after Friday afternoon. And you know, as we get into the weekend, it's great to see tonight's the sort of the launch of the college basketball season. In my mind, the best sport out there, 
uh, obviously the sport's been killed over the past 15 years with the rule and kids leaving after one year, which is a real disappointment. And I just love to see the teams and the systems and the coaches and two great games tonight. You know, first game, Arizona and Michigan State. Sean Miller and Izzo should be a fun matchup. A lot of young kids in that, and that a lot of greyhounds, and then of course the late game, the the entree to the appetizer with uh, Kansas and Rock Chalk, number three in the country, going up against the Hoosiers of Indiana, uh, number eleven, and their big kid Thomas Bryant. Amazingly, the Hoosiers will not have Yogi Ferrell on the team after 37 years of Ferrell playing hoops in Bloomington. So, looking forward to. College hoops, a big weekend in the NFL, of course, uh, Sunday. A lot of very, very good games. Kansas City, Carolina, the night game of New England, Seattle. Um, a number of very, very good, very, very close, tight Giants Monday night. Uh, very, very tight games that should be a lot of fun and, uh, and, and, and some good Sunday football. Saturday, a college football, of course, a lot of stuff going on. Michigan and Ohio State getting closer to playing on that Saturday after Thanksgiving, which will tell you a lot about who's going to meet in the college football playoff. USC, Washington, tomorrow should be a good one as well. We're looking forward to a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. And as my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say, adios. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast, here comes your host, the Burger Shop, now live from coast to coast, in any way you want to do it, listen to the show, Ryan got the insights, the Burger Shop, you know? Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.